0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 80 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, I am joined by my friend from Argentina, Julian Bogiansky. And we are going to talk about his online gallery for occult art called Salon Arcano. So, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Alex.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: So, uh, explain to the listeners who you are and what you do. Well, um,
1: I'm he- I, my, my name is Julian. I do a lot of things, but um, we thought about talking about the, a, a specific project called Salon Arcano. It, an English translation would be like Arcane Gallery, and it's uh, an online gallery for occult art, but we, from time to time there's also... Um, Physical exhibitions in galleries. So um, that's a subject a subject we can discuss.
0: How did you come up with this idea? Uh, actually the idea
1: was uh, from a friend who said who told me that I can do this project. I like the idea. Um, When we began, he was very involved in the the project, and then uh, he mostly left it to me, and now I mostly do it on my own. Nowadays, it's more focused uh, online because the physical exhibitions are quite expensive, and I prefer to work in a very non-commercial way, like... Uh, No entry ticket, no commission for the artist who sells works. I never ask for money to the artist, so I have to uh, finance the whole thing on my own. So I can do exhibitions all the time.
0: So basically it's like an online gallery where artists who focus on their cult can put up their work. Yeah, that's uh, mostly what
1: it is. And what was interesting for me is that um, there is like um, a whole movement in the world of a lot of artists doing um, works related to hermeticism and painting, sculpture, performance, cinema. And most of them don't really think they are artists. A few of them do. But uh, at the gallery you can see um, works of art which were created only um, uh, for the authors and that they were shown here for the very first time.
0: So so they like, they don't have an intention to make art for the public. They, they just do it for themselves and then you tell them to put it up. Well, yeah.
1: An example would be, because you know him, uh, Salasius. Um, uh, some years ago, I was making a photo exhibition of alchemy and photography. I asked him if he wanted to participate with his works, showing what he does at the lab as art. He explained me that he wasn't an artist, he was an alchemist. I said, yes, but the photos are art. So I convinced him and he liked the idea.
0: You mean, you, you mean the photographs of close-up of the different alchemical processes in the laboratory?
2: Yeah,
1: and they were shown at, at the museum and they were seen not by alchemists who were investigating the alchemical process behind it, but seeing it as art and seeing the value it has as art or as a work of art which was very interesting for me. The occult, which includes alchemy and other sciences, involves a lot of art, but most people who are working with it don't really think of it as art, so the idea of the Salon Arcano was mostly to show something that is often very hidden, to a wider public that doesn't need to be involved in the occult. Actually, the um, idea was to make it very um, user-friendly. It, it wasn't like... The idea wasn't to make it look like a strange, satanic website that would scare somebody, but to make it like a normal gallery where the art that is shown is simply different than the conventional art that you can see anywhere else.
0: People who have no previous knowledge of the occult or esoteric things, when they hear somebody say the word occult or even, like you said uh, just now, satanic, they usually think of it as evil. How would you explain the, the occult and and this stuff to those people well
1: the the main experiences I've had with that are in the physical exhibitions you mi- i mean in museums that were open to a general public most of them was like a very Average, pers- average person or conventional person, not involved in the occult at all, and the exhibition itself was set up in a way that it wouldn't scare anyone, and um, they came for, for a lot of reasons, but all of them were actually very fascinated by what they were seeing, and seeing like Um, this world of the occult, that is often quite hidden, can be uh, seen as art. And there wasn't um, the need of explaining anything. It was, like, very natural. I mean, in five minutes, they were, like, in a normal museum, watching everything as art which was fantastic for me. As an opposite experience, I have had exactly the opposite. Uh, I remember being in Philadelphia in the USA at the museum, I can remember the name, where they have most, uh, mostly all the works by Marcel Duchamp. So there was this museum guide explaining there uh, how the words have no meaning and it was everything Dada, da, meaningless art. And well I already knew the words by the champ. It's not that I met them there for the first time. And I knew it, they, uh, he had worked with a lot of occult symbolism. So um, I was with my parents by then at the museum. I started to explain them a different point of view about the art of Marcel Duchamp, which is a mainstream artist nowadays. And suddenly there was a lot of uh, people following us and hearing the explanations because they made sense by far more than what the guide was saying, which was mostly, uh, this means nothing, which wasn't true.
0: That's quite insulting to Marcel Duchamp to say what he, he does means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: So, and a lot of his words are very linked to um, some very specific texts or classical text. So that was mostly what I was explaining.
0: I'm no expert in Marcel Duchamp, but my impression of his work is that he might have tried to, with his art, show how other people's art were meaningless and no meaning. You know, like he was making fun of their meaninglessness by making his art appear meaningless, you know, like a toilet or whatever. Yeah, but
1: at the same time, I think he was often playing with alchemical symbolism especially the face called the Albedo and there's often very clear references uh, references if you know them that makes the work become or acquire a meaning that is different than meaningless. So that was interesting for me and at the same time I was explaining this to my parents who have absolutely no interest in anything related to the occult but the explanation made sense to them.
0: But why do you think uh Average uh, conventional people, why do you think they perceive the occult as evil? Because many do. Well, that's...
1: uh, You should ask someone who is a sociologist or anthropologist. Some people actually work very hard to give that impression, Uh, like Aleister Crowley, uh, you know? that he wanted to be like uh, the most evil man in the world, and he enjoyed uh, the whole thing. But, and then um, the mainstream religions um, obviously condemn these practices uh, because they consider them to be evil, but they are not actually. The final aim they have is not quite different from the aim that the mainstream religions have. Though there are some differences, of course.
0: When it comes to the occult, uh, what uh, areas have you been most interested in? I like a lot of
1: different things. Um, I like alchemy, astrology... I like ocean, I like Kabbalah. So it's, I like a bit of everything. I, I know some things I don't interest me, but I respect them. Like an example, I'm not into Wicca at all, nor I am into Runes, but Something that I always enjoyed is um, the connection between art and the occult. That's uh, a subject that is very fascinating for me. Um, And if you start studying the history of art, you will soon learn that most of the interesting artists who are also the Mainstream artists, I'm not talking about very underground artists, uh, work with occult symbolism. In uh, example, the whole verse of the abstract movement with Mondrian, Malevich, Kandinsky, all of them were talking about uh, the occult in a very explicit way. It wasn't something uh, hidden for them.
0: What do you think about uh, the, you know, Dali and, and that group? Are they also using occult symbolism? You mean the surrealism?
1: Yeah, of course they, they were. But they, they were also very open about it. It's interesting that the core of the surrealist uh, theory of Automatism is identical to the theory of Austin-Osmans Pair, who is an author I like a lot. But, yeah, in Surrealism, uh, the references are always very explicit. I mean, um, one, of, one of my favorite Persons in the group was Antonin Artaud. I love his uh, theory of for a new theater, like the theater of cruelty. Pro- probably you heard about it. The whole idea was uh, to emulate uh, an alchemical process, and um, it's not that uh, it's not my deduction. It's what he explicitly says. So I think. Um, Going on with what uh, what was uh, what I was saying, um, understanding the occult is important for understanding the history of art. The two, the, it's like as if the these two philosophies were very linked, and it's very hard to separate them. Of course, there are there's also artists work with symbolisms that have nothing to do with the occult, but a lot of them do.
0: I think it's quite ironic that many of these rebel uh, artists that were working with uh, occult symbolisms, that their art is now hanging in the living rooms of these upper-class, posh uh, people you know <laughs> well yeah
1: there there is something erroring in it but some of them maybe even liked it. There I mean there's a few artists who worked very hard to promote this idea that that they're working with the occult. Uh, I mean a good example was Yves Klein who was shouting everywhere that he was a Rosicrucian but his audience was mostly very rich people who had no interest in the occult and they simply liked um, what he was doing beyond his ideology. But I like Ibs Klein a lot, so I have no problem with it.
0: I don't think I'm familiar with him.
1: With this Klein
0: oh he um, he was mostly
1: um the leader of a French movement of artists who, who, who called themselves the new realist or oh, yeah. i don't know how to say it in english the new they were promoting a new realism but it it wasn't what we Would assume assume that realism is. They were talking about it in a more alchemical way, and it was mostly a reaction to um, the American uh, abstract expressionism like Pollock or Rothko. You know, it was like. Rivalry between them. They were somehow mocking them, but they invented something new.
0: It's also art for me. It's also you know like when, um, I I don't know if it's true, but if uh, Jackson Pollock was one of the first to do a Jackson Pollock painting, you know, I I uh, I enjoy his paintings, but then many people repeat it afterwards. So it's all about doing it first in art, it seems. Oh, uh, But yes,
1: I mean, that's the idea of doing something first is very much the logic of the avant-garde movements of the 20th century, this idea of originality, in the whole history of art is actually quite new but yeah that's the uh, idea since some a hundred or fifty years ago I actually don't like product very much, it was just giving an example but
0: I, I used to uh, you know when I studied uh, art I used to you know liked the you know I, I had different times when I liked different things but I you know everything from the surrealist to the expressionists to all these different movements but the older I get the more I tend to prefer uh, cave art and um, alchemical uh, uh, art or well paintings that are you know uh, describing the alchemical process i think those pieces of art which is uh, uh, is before all the other art art styles i just mentioned i think they are uh, more beautiful and more like because you don't know who the artist is so, so i have a bit of a problem these days now because you can see and the, the the artist is more important than the actual painting. So you, you say, yeah, I have a Dali on my wall, but nobody cares which one. They just care it's a, a Dali. But if you, you know, if you look at alchemical art or, or even cave art, nobody knows who made those. I get what you mean.
1: And um, nowadays, something even more strange is happening, but at the museums, which is that the, the great star, the great uh, star, I mean, is no longer the artist himself, but the curator of the museum, mm-hmm. who is organizing an exhibition and quite often making the um, works part say something that they don't actually say, but in the context in which they are placed. It's the curator who gives them a meaning. That's something new that I don't really like. And at the same time, it's a contradiction because the Salerno Arcano is somehow doing that thing. So it's strange.
0: <laughs> there is an artist, I can't remember his name, but I saw a documentary about him once. And what he does is he, all he, he paints he imitates the signature of famous painters like Picasso and he paints the signature, but then, then he leaves the rest of the canvas blank as to say that you're buying the signature, not the painting. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get what he's doing. I don't know him actually, but that's interesting. Yeah, the, there is of course a cult of personality to relate it to several painters and of course the art market is a market and the names have value well going back to the salon arcano one of the ideas was to include their professional artist and artist who don't even consider themselves artists. So, um, I mostly try to avoid there um, this idea that the name has a value. And I mostly try to focus on the content of the art itself. And I also um, insist a lot, on the artist, if they can explain their words and explain their meanings, as to make them e- easier to understand for someone who is not a hardcore occultist, because that's the point, La- like I want, uh, you know, I want my grandmother to understand it as a way
0: to say it. Do you do any painting yourself? I do, but I
1: I don't think I'm good doing it. What uh, I did mostly is filming. There's the film I like the most of the ones I did it is about Austin Osman's pair. Um, from time to time it's shown in some occult art festivals around the world, which I like because... I especially love these festivals. They are an example going to show it in Ireland this September in a festival called Cabinet of the Solar Plexus. It's organized by a very good artist called Dolorosa de la Cruz. She's from Uruguay but she's living in Ireland. She lived she was born in Uruguay, but she lived the whole of her life in Ireland and the festival she's organizing there is truly fantastic. And she's uh, showing there works from the most classical artists like um, Austin Spear or um, works by, by Famous persons like in the occult community, like Bertio, Michel Bertio, but also persons who are not very known. So I like the mix she's doing.
0: Is there any is there any uh, artist uh, living today that's actually alive that you that you like?
1: Uh, a lot of them. An example, the. Salon Arcano is only for live artists. I don't include any dead artists there because I need the permission mostly, and because I try to focus on contemporary art. And yeah, I like I like a lot of living
0: artists. But what happens if somebody dies? That's got their work on the Salon Arcano. Do you remove it? <laughs>
1: uh, I. It never happened yet, but I think I wouldn't remove it because if they are there, it's because they wanted to be there when they were alive. Unless if uh, the family of the artist gets in touch with me, I would, of course, remove it if they wanted, but so far it never happened.
0: I know you're not making any money of it, but uh, if the artist dies, you know, the value doubles. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, but uh, as I, I tell you, uh, I charge no commissions. It's um, it's very much a non-commercial project. The professional artist, when it's often me the one who approaches them to show their works there and when they hear the conditions they can believe it and they say fantastic um, they love it because no there's almost no galleries that gives them all the rights to the artist and they have to pay no money they can promote their works and so there's no a bad side for
0: them how long have you had it and have you noticed any response to it to this website Yeah, it's been around for five
1: years I don't I can't really remember I should have a check but yeah the the main response of is what I see in a face-to-face when we do the physical exhibitions but they are suddenly very hard to organize mostly due to money and yeah what I see is that each, in each exhibition more and more people came I mean the, in the last one we had like uh, all of them last for one day the last one we had like uh, 600 persons which is a lot for an exhibition of of this type.
0: But did they have an opportunity to to buy something uh, when you do the physical exhibition?
1: Uh, Yeah, from time time to time someone buys something and at the website if someone buys something I don't even know it because I include the email of the artist and the... um, one who wants to buy something writes directly to the artist without my, interver- without my intervention, you know? So I'm not involved in it.
0: So it's more like a, a service to mankind, what you're doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can call it like that if you want, yeah.
0: It's like the podcast, you know, it's, I don't charge either. <laughs> of course.
1: Um, yeah, I mostly do it because it's fun for me. The only part I don't like is the technical part of it, like making the pages, it's very boring and I'm actually not very good in it. So I have to um, work harder than a normal web designer because I'm not one. So the web has a lot of things which can be easier, which could be easier if I knew more about computer programming, but I don't, and it's not a subject that interests me a lot. So, I simply do it as I can.
0: Do you have any plans uh, for the future with the website or any physical exhibitions? There is a plan
1: for an exhibition, but it's not confirmed, so I can speak a lot about it, and the other idea is to make um, to extend the Salon Arcano to, um, to publishing books, both classical books by some very specific authors and books by contemporary artists.
0: The other day I was looking because, you know, I have all the Osman Osman spare writings, you know, on PDF, but I kind of like to have a real book. And I was looking uh, and uh, in my investigations, I couldn't really find a uh, copy that had a good, well edited text and all the reviews were always very bad that the text was not treated as good as it could be, so... There's one thing you could probably print is his text because anyway, in, in, in English, anyway, there's no good uh, copies, really. Uh, my
1: idea is to do it in Spanish, anyway, not in English. But uh, with Austin Spare, well, I actually know or I'm close to several of the publishers of uh, his text and I know they work very hard to make them. I know, um, well actually, this movie I did um, about Austin Spear, it was a long time ago. I worked a lot with the main publishers of the works of Austin Spear. And they really devote the whole of their life to making these books. You can't believe that the time they spent creating them and taking care of every detail and the I, I mean they mostly de- devoted the whole of their life to us in spare. and nowadays they since a few years ago, they are also organizing occult art exhibitions.
0: Hmm, it, mustn't, it could not have been the books I found because they looked like they were done very fast. <laughs> so I, must, I mustn't, uh, you know, like, um, uh, been able to locate them.
1: I don't know about that. But well, I know. the ones who, who I know who are publishing text by Spare, they are... Mostly very obsessed with the quality, and they really get um, very obsessive about it. I know a specific book which was a bit controversial because of some things, but I can't really speak about it. But it's just one book that was controversial. That the controversy was that some people said that they were improving Spare or his writings because it, it was a book uh, based on a notebook by Spare. But that's the only case I know, though I, I actually like what was edited, but I know some people doesn't.
0: Do you think that the future of occult art is is uh, looks promising um, what
1: I think is that what is happening since a few years ago is that the um, occult art is arriving to museums which is very interesting for me I mean we talked about how the mainstream artists work with occult ideas but if we are strictly talking about persons who make very explicit occult art, some years ago it was impossible to see something like that in a museum and nowadays they are arriving to the to museums and some museums are even organizing exhibitions about occult art, which is fantastic for me. I love the idea. Uh, I mostly like it because I think there's a great value there and I don't mean an economical value but a cultural value and something that uh, most people completely ignores uh, or has strange fantasies about it and the reality is actually more interesting than the fantasies they could have and it's probably by far less scary than they would imagine it's actually not scary at all but very beautiful
0: so if people want to check out your your site where where is it it's
1: uh, i think it's be- uh, it's called salonarcano.com.art it's it's better if i will give you the address and you can write it in the podcast because Since it's a Spanish name, people won't understand it.
0: Yeah, I'll post it in the program notes. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's better. Because it's a Spanish name. Well, the idea, nowadays, the whole website is uh, both in English and Spanish, everything, but when it began, it was only for Spanish speakers. I mostly wanted to bring something that, for me, was happening in uh, Anglo-Saxon countries. Then I found that there were also a lot of South American artists or persons living di- different parts of Europe, or even Asia. And um, then I made the whole thing bilingual in Spanish and English, mostly because it's the language that most people speak. Well, like this conversation, English is not uh, a natural language for you or our, or me, but we have to speak English. It's the lingua franca of today.
0: Yeah, it's uh, soon when everybody speaks English, God will strike us down, like in the in the Bible, you know, when everybody spoke the same language, he got mad. So. I think
1: the web has a lot of broken English but it's the best I can do and it's not a fetish I have with English but it's what we have
0: Well uh, I'll make sure to post that link and uh, thanks a lot for talking to me Ah thank you Alex <laughs> Go to salonarcano.com.ar to check out Julian's online gallery Now for some days and days this track is called Now I and is taken from the Ward of Vultures album. To hear more of their music surf over to daysanddays.bandcamp.com That's D-A-Y-S-N-D-A-Z-E dot Days and Days. And you can also find all the links in the program notes on nationalbornalchemist.com If you have the time... Like the Natural Born Alchemist Facebook page as well as follow the Twitter account which is called Born Alchemist. Freedom is in the mind.